0: Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze the music, legacy, and cultural impact of all your favorite pop stars. I'm your host, DJ Louis XIV, and I'm a DJ, writer, and all around pop music fanatic. I've spent my entire life and career thinking about, dissecting, and being obsessed with pop stars their music, their legacies, how they relate to one another, to the larger pop musical landscape, and to culture more broadly. What separates an icon from a mere superstar? Why do some careers become the soundtrack to our lives and why do others flop? Whose work in legacy transcends time and whose feels stuck in it? Every episode of Pop Pantheon, we'll devote an entire episode to a pop icon, from titans of the genre like Beyonce and all the way down to uh, lesser titans, like Nicole Scherzinger. Each episode, you'll hear a little breakdown from me, and then some distinguished guests and I will chop it up about their careers, discographies, public personas, live performances, music videos, feuds, tweets, you name it. And at the end, We'll turn pop into fantasy football, make our final judgment, and place them in the official pop pantheon. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Pantheon. This, as always, is DJ Louie. I want to say, as I always do, thank you so much for tuning in again. And I want to extend a special welcome to all of our new listeners. There is a lot of you out there after last week. The Robin episode and the two attending weeks were our biggest weeks yet for pop pantheon so you know i gotta say i was prepared to sit here and record this podcast for my 50 friends and my mom so to have so many of you out there listening right now is just an absolute gag i am completely floored by it and so grateful to everyone for all of the support and to know there's so many of you out here taking this journey with me is Everything I could have wished for already for this podcast. And I'm so excited to keep growing with you all and to keep giving you quality pop content on this pod. I have a few quick things I want to say before we get into this week's incredible episode. The first is that on the Robin episode, I got a few quick little tips from listeners that I felt like I have to share. The first is that I want to shout out to Bill on Instagram, who pointed out very pertinently, and you know, I'm here to admit mistakes when I make mistakes. And he reminded me that there was a second Robin single during that first Max Martin teen pop era of Robin called, Do You Know What It Takes? That also went to number seven in addition to Show Me Love. It's Also, a Max Martin song, and it's fucking amazing. And I do, I'm, of course, I'm familiar with Do You Know What It Takes. I did forget to mention it. We didn't give it the the credit it was due in the episode. So I want to make sure that we acknowledge Do You Know What It Takes, a great song that actually weirdly sounds more like Candy by Mandy Moore. I know we pointed that out in the last episode related to Show Me Love, but actually, Do You Know What It Takes is like really the blueprint for candy when you go listen to it. So. Go listen to Do You Know What It Takes, and fantastic Max Martin teen pop boom and another number seven single by Robin in that same era. So want to make sure I correct the record on that one. The second is that my dear friend, former guest and future guest, Stephen Horowitz pointed out to me that the reason that Robin has background vocals on Britney's Piece of Me, which we also touched on in the episode, is because she actually recorded the entire demo of the song. <laughs> so... I'm gonna put a little clip of that here because that was just so incredible to hear. It's online. So here is just briefly the the demo of Robin recording Britney's piece of me. I miss American dreams since I was 17. Don't matter if I step on the scene or take away to the Philippines. They still gon' put pictures of my derriere in the magazine. You want a piece of me? You want? Isn't that amazing? I was like, oh my God, imagine if this was a Robbins. I mean, it's just, wow mind blown. Two of my faves like in unison, it's incredible. Thirdly, I want to say to Instagram user Ryan who suggested that we have a whole tier for muses. I thought that was a pretty interesting suggestion. I'm not sure that that's where I would put Robin per se because she's more necess- than a muse, I would say. But we do have a future episode coming up on someone that we've touched on in this podcast that's not even really a musical artist, and you'll see what it is. It's gonna be a fucking fantastic episode, but I I do wonder if maybe a Muses tier would be good. So that is under consideration. Thank you, Instagram user Ryanin. I've also gotten a ton of shout outs to do a Janet Jackson episode, and I want to just make clear to everybody that Janet is literally like, I don't like to pick total faves but she's definitely like in contention for my all-time number one favorite pop star so never fear that is coming it's really when i'm putting these together it's about sort of pacing out all the different stars and making sure that we're touching on lots of different sectors in the pop universe and also just making sure that I line up the right guest for the right artist. So don't worry, Janet and all the other girls are coming. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. And also like the Janet episode is going to be a religious experience for me. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows Janet is high on my list of people and she will be getting her episode at some point down the line. I want to also say once again that we are exploring using this app, Shuffle. It's amazing. It's a free app you can download in the App Store. And you can basically like feed your Apple Podcasts into this app. And you can live comment with other listeners to the podcast as the podcast is playing. And I get on there. And we did it in earnest with last week's episode. There was a few of us in the app sort of just talking about all the different stuff with each other as the podcast was playing, and it was so fun. Again, thank you to my dear listener and friend, Catherine, who put me on to that. So if you're into sort of like key keying with everybody, all the other Pop Pantheon fans and myself about the episode and sharing your thoughts in real time with everybody, the app is called Shuffle. It's free in the iTunes store, and it really is fun. So go out and get that. Two last things. I want to say that... I've set a little goal of getting 100 reviews in the Apple Podcast Store. As I mentioned before, the whole algorithm is based around these reviews. So if you have the time, have the inclination, I don't care what you put in there. Just drop an exclamation point, whatever you want, and just drop me a review just to help get the podcast up in the rankings and in front of more people that might be into it. And of course, go on Instagram, follow Pop Pantheon Pod. We do kind of fun stuff over there too. So Pop Pantheon Pod on Instagram as well. And lastly, I have some pretty exciting news, which is that I am putting together a Pop Pantheon party in Los Angeles. Basically, as many of you know, I'm actually a DJ. That's my main profession. And I want to do a party monthly in LA that's, based around artists that we feature on the podcast that month. It will be a super awesome gathering of everybody who's obsessed with pop. Obviously, the music will be themed, you know, with the vibe of this podcast, which is a fun-loving historical take on pop through the the subgenres, through the decades. And so I'm putting that together in LA. I'm also hoping to put together a New York installment of that for when I'm out there in my hometown, which I miss so much, in maybe the fall. So keep an eye out for that. And I hope to see all of you who are able to come at those parties. And lastly, as I always say, if you are new to the podcast and this is your first time listening, if you want to go listen to the mini in the bottom of this feed that says, What exactly is the Pop Pantheon? That will give you some background on how I think about the tiers and sort of explain the Pop Pantheon concept in detail. As I always say, you do not need to, but if that's of interest to you, just in terms of how I'm thinking about this, how the tier system works, etc., Go back and check that out. Otherwise, I've now spoken for way too long. This is a banger of an episode that, again, it was like I was saying earlier, I wasn't sure I was gonna attack this big topic. So early on in the podcast run, but because my guests put this idea forward and I knew she would be able to do it justice, I, of course, had to say yes. So here it is, guys. I know this is one people are really, really chomping at the bit for. It is Pop Pantheon for Mother Monster herself. Lady Gaga. Pause up, bitches. When Lady Gaga first came crashing through the pop stratosphere in 2008, it marked the arrival of one of the last true monoculture pop music supernovas. Her inventive, ultra often bonkers, drag-indeaded fashion and music videos Her subversion of the heteronormative girl-next-door aesthetics of the stars who had preceded her, along with her fervent, outspoken activism for the queer community, captured the imagination of the broader pop-cultural landscape in a way no one had truly done since the pillars of the 80s like Madonna and Prince. From the moment she broke through, Lady Gaga made it absolutely impossible to look away, and she had the hit music to back it all up. Her debut album, The Fame, which helped usher in the EDM pop movement of the late aughts and early 2010s, sold over 4 million copies in the U.S. and featured four top 10 smash singles, including her first number one, Just Dance. The fame turned Gaga, seemingly overnight, into one of the biggest pop stars the world had ever known. All right, all right just Kaká quickly followed that up with a re-release of the fame, The Fame Monster in 2010, which tacked on eight new songs to the already juggernaut of an album and continued to build on her overblown four on the floor dance pop aesthetic and her ironic, is she serious, is she not, take on fame, celebrity, death, monsters, and more. It spawned another series of massive hits and iconic music videos. Telephone, Alejandro, and perhaps most notably what remains her signature song to this day, Bad Romance. The Fame Monster cemented Gaga as the biggest sensation in recent pop music history. enormous success of the fame and the fame monster, Gaga returned in 2011 with her album Born This Way, a record in which she leaned even further both into the gluttonous feast of dance music influences of her earlier work, along with her queer activism, dedicating much of the album to her newly patented fan army, The Little Monsters. Many of the album's songs were devoted to creating an explicitly queer coded message of self acceptance that felt incredibly risky for a pop star of her magnitude. It spawned another four top 10 singles, including the title track, and sold over 1 million copies in its first week alone. But while it was embraced largely by critics, Born This Way's fan service ended up being divisive to pop audiences writ large, and launched a period of course corrections for Gaga where she struggled to find the sure-footed imperialism of her initial cultural dominance. 2013's Art Pop was an attempted return to the ironic takes on celebrity and sex of her debut album, while 2016's Joanne featured a supposedly quote unquote stripped down take on rock and country. Each of their fans, but both were seen as pretty huge commercial disappointments compared to her earlier successes and reflected some sort of exhaustion with Gaga's uber maximalist technicolor take on pop music and stars. these relative setbacks and a successful side project of American songbook standards with iconic crooner Tony Bennett called Cheek to Cheek, Gaga has spent the last five years effectively pivoting to something much bigger than a pop star living hit to hit. She followed Joanne with a celebrated turn in 2018's Bradley Cooper-directed remake of A Star is Born, which became a sensation and for which she earned an Oscar nomination for Best Actress. A Star is Born and Cheek to Cheek exposed a new side of Gaga's talents as not just a pop star, but as a pop cultural chameleon, equally adept at acting, singing jazz, musical theater, and classic rock as she was at being a shocking dance-pop freak extraordinaire. This period has helped usher in a completely expanded era in Gaga's stardom, One where the possibilities seem much grander than having her next hit pop single. Although A Star Is Born did manage to feature her biggest hit to date, the Cooper duet, Shallow. Recently in 2020, Gaga released her sixth solo album, Chromatica, a return to the four on the floor beats which powered her initial rise and featured her most recent number one single, the Ariana Grande featuring duet Rain On Me. Gaga has five number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100 spanning from 2009's Just Dance to Rain On Me, along with 17 top tens. She is the first and only artist to have two songs past 7 million downloads sold for her hits Poker Face and Just Dance. Gaga is the ninth selling digital singles artist in the United States of all time, with a cumulative single certification of 85 million digital downloads. And with 124 million records sold, she is one of the world's biggest selling music artists and the fourth highest earning female musician of the 2010s. Her achievements include 12 Grammy Awards, awards from the Songwriter Hall of Fame, and the Council of Fashion Designers of America, and recognition as Billboard's Artist of the Year in both 2010 and 2015. She is the first woman to win an Academy Award, Grammy, BAFTA, and Golden Globe Award in a single year. She has also been included on several Forbes Power Ranking lists and was ranked 4th in VH1's Greatest Women in Music Ever. Time magazine named her as one of the 100 most influential people in the world in both 2010 and 2019. On the pod today to break down all things Mother Monster is the utterly brilliant New York Times contributor, Lindsay Zolads. Lindsay and I really go deep on all the Gaga eras. Reassess a number of the erroneous criticisms leveled at her early in her career. Discuss whether art pop really deserves justice. And finally, debate in which of the top two tiers of this pop pantheon our beloved Stephanie, Lady Gaga, Joanne, Joe, Calderon, Enigma, Germanotta belongs. So, without further ado, here is my key key with Lindsay Zolads. Okay, so I'm here with Lindsay Zolads music critic and contributor to the New York Times, if you've heard of it, small local hometown (laughs) paper. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so honored to have you. I've been reading your work for so many years like at The Ringer and one of the great joys of this podcast for me has been getting to connect with so many brilliant people like yourself whose opinions and work I respect so, so much. So This is a big honor for us. Thank you. And I do feel like the stars have aligned here a little bit because I reached out to you. I reached out to you a few (laughs) weeks ago asking if you'd like to be on. And I, I said, who would you like to talk about? And you listed a few people. And I thought, you know, Gaga is one of my all time faves. And I'm finding as this podcast unfurls, I'm sort of scared to do the episodes on my faves because I like just want to do it justice and I want you know it's 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 got to find the right combination of a guest and the right thing and when you said it I was like oh Lindsay will be perfect for us to do Gaga with and now here we are and art pop has finally been served its justice and is number one on the worldwide iTunes chart (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's rightful place in the firmament.
0: It's so funny with these justice for whatever album movements for me, because sometimes I wonder like, is it because the album like actually deserves justice or is it just because we love to like elevate sort of like things that were flops in their time, you know?
1: Yeah. Or is it just the eighth anniversary of art pop coming out? Perhaps. (laughs) Perhaps (laughs) it could be a combination (laughs) of
0: all these things. (laughs) But I am like, I, I feel like I've gone through like a reassessment myself with art pop. Like, I found that like when it came out, it was a bit of a, a fracturing for me and my gaga fandom, and it's grown on me over time. I don't know how your what your ride with art pop has been.
1: I'm I'm an art pop apologist. And it, if I could just like drop some hot gas at the top <gasps> of this podcast Ooh. exclusive. The reason that Pitchfork did not review art pop which came out when I was working at Pitchfork, was because I had the flu that week. And no one else (laughs) who worked there then, like, wanted to do it. Oh, my God. Which shows you, I think, some of what we'll talk about with Gaga is the ride of the kind of poptimism critical era and how she was both ahead of her time in certain ways and and on the cusp of other waves. But um, that is, like, how seriously this record was taken by the critical establishment, which is to say, not at all.
0: You know, I'm I'm sort of surprised to hear that, because I do sort of feel like Gaga's first couple of records were such important pieces of optimism in terms of, like, you know, she begged to be taken seriously. That's always been part of the Gaga project, and I feel like, for the most part, I mean, there was, we'll get into sort of the controversies of her, of her arrival on the scene, but I feel like the Fame Monster and Born This Way to a Certain Degree were taken rather seriously by the critical community.
1: It's true. I Maybe the larger point is that no one knew what to say about her <laughs> art pop, which her art pop could mean anything. <laughs> And
0: nobody wanted to touch it. <laughs> I'm still not sure. I quite even know what to say about Art prop, to be honest with fair, you. But I, but we will we will have our Been d- we, eight we, years. Th- this, <laughs> is, in. this is this this is the moment. And thank you so much for giving us some gossip. That's so exciting. I that's our first piece. That's our first piece of hot goss here.
1: <laughs> Hopefully not the
0: last. So I want to rewind us, take us back to 2008, or even earlier than that, to be honest with you, because Gaga, in my mind, ushered in a very specific era of pop stardom that was quite different than what had been happening just prior. Before Gaga exploded in 2008, there was an era of pop that was kind of geared towards not what she was doing. The big stars of that time, just contextualizing us here, were Britney, Jennifer Lopez, Sierra, Nelly Furtado, Justin Timberlake. They were sort of like in their ways, kind of like all-American, sort of traditionally hot Um, And that was a big sort of thing that they were trading in with their pop stardom. And the elements of sort of like ultra, gay, gender-bending drag aesthetics in pop that had been a major part of like the 80s with Madonna and Prince and Michael Jackson had sort of receded in favor of a little bit more of like a, a straightforward kind of like wholesome image. So how do you view that sort of like... 05 to 08 era of pop. What was going on in your mind?
1: Yeah I think you captured it pretty well like there as much as we were coming off the sort of Britney and Christina whole like loss of innocence in big ironic quotation marks um, (laughs) era there was something kind of wholesome and incredibly straight about the presentation of it and not even just straight, but kind of gender-conforming in this way that Britney and Christina and the boy bands sort of were, even while there was all this sub- this subtext that you could read into that, the weirdness or anything kind of subversive was very much under the surface of, of those texts. Right. And then here comes Lady Gaga just putting all that out right up front and scrambling a lot of expectations, confronting a lot of people with concepts about gender that are now like just what we talk about in pop music and pop culture. But we're really kind of not in the discourse yet in the, in a way that she just came right out the gate doing that and and going there. Yeah. And I think that was something. It's we've so much of I think the things that she stood for in the very beginning of her success have just been kind of folded into the the pop sphere now that it's hard almost to to remember how strange she seemed when she first came out and how much of an aberration from what had come right before, which of course was why she made such an impact too and and turned so many heads in the beginning. It was not... It was, she
0: seemed to just come out of nowhere. Totally. What was going on in culture writ large, I guess, that that sort of had us shying away from more ultra sort of queer representations of pop? Like, why was, why were, why, if you had to sort of speculate, were, artists like Britney artists like Justin what we wanted in the early and mid aughts and what sort of shifted more broadly culturally if you had to guess that a ela- that sort of opened the door for Gaga to be accepted in that way
1: yeah it's hard to say like I and I think just the idea of queering mainstream culture like it's hard for us to even like remember how far away, in some senses, like two thousand eight was, and how like Obama didn't support same sex marriage in the beginning, right. and right, like all these things that we now kind of think of and and maybe take for granted, and and Gaga, you know, was someone who was outspoken about that and really taking up causes. Of the queer community. You know,
0: you're reminding me of the speech she made early in her career. And I remember at the time it was like about don't ask, don't tell. And it was like very early, like before she had really even fully established herself, I think. And I just remember being so touched. that This woman was out here like putting herself on the line for us in a way that I hadn't seen pop stars do of my generation.
1: If you are not capable of keeping your oath, to the armed forces to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and I will bear true faith and allegiance to do the same. Unless there's a gay soldier in
0: my unit, then go home. <laughs> Repeal, don't ask, don't tell.
1: Or go home, go home, go Oh, go. and also oh, go. causes about mental health like talking about those things that again are are things that we are talking about in a broader culture than i think in a lot of ways i ever thought they would be a, a decade ago but she really came out so to speak like not <laughs>
0: literally but <laughs> although with, she although she did um in ways true. that i think we would find somewhat unsavory today sort of try to play with the notion that maybe she was queer and then sort of eventually claimed that she wasn't, right?
1: Yeah, which I think is definitely something we ought to get into as well. But but was presenting these kind of larger social ideas as a folded into her pop vision, which from the get-go, I think presenting herself as something even more than just a pop musician, someone that stood for something even larger than that as uh, that was an artist that was a trendsetter with all this bizarre fashion that she was delving into and also someone eventually who came to embody certain ideas about accepting mental health about accepting the queer community and and advocating for these things that that wasn't really going on in the same way in like The early aughts pop stars like it was sort of this fantasy world of that felt very cut off from the larger culture in a lot of ways and felt like this place of escapism and I think Gaga just like bust through the gate wanting to do more than that and like on a long stretch really succeeding and and kind of pushing those conversations forward in a way that I I think has gotten us up to a certain contemporary moment of, of pop stardom that I think she influenced, you know, a lot of where we're at. And it did feel like there were ideas behind it too, like ideas about sexuality and ideas about fame and like pop culture writ large, ideas about just, I mean, the meat dress and like yeah. the Kermit dress, like these bizarre pop art things that were not, I think we've kind of been getting at too, like her, the big difference, for a female pop star of that time was like the outfits that she was wearing were not first and foremost to make her look sexy to a straight male gaze. Not, not even I'd, I'd
0: go a step further and say that they were meant to make her to, to make her unsexy in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again,
1: she wore a dress of, kermit the frogs and
0: <laughs> and she and, and even prior to that she was like obscuring her face i mean i remember mm-hmm. one of the big critiques early on that seems kind of stupid looking back but i remember this being a thing was like we don't know what lady gaga looks like what does she look like and then of course there was the whole like is lady gaga a hermaphrodite i mean remember that oh, whole god thing?
1: yeah it to me that, it sort of represented
0: yes. like the discomfort of society writ large with her sort of like not playing in that traditional mode of pop stardom that we had become so accustomed to people couldn't deal with the fact that she wasn't selling us this version of female sexuality we had become so used to and so of course the reaction then from straight culture mainly is like she must be our her you know that, that you can see where like that could sort of arise you know
1: Yeah, Um, weird moment, the late aughts. Oh my God. strange times.
0: It really was. And she was such a sort of like cataclysmic sort of like bomb into the middle of popular music. And and that sort of brings me to my next question for you, which is the musical side of it. So earlier in her career, one of the big critiques that got leveled at Lady Gaga during her first record, which was The Fame, and just to situate the audience here, The Fame came out in 2008 and... you know so it's always weird to say oh it was an instant smash because these artists work so hard behind the scenes to get to that place where they have that sort of like i'm an instant smash but the fame was pretty much the definition of a sensation You know, I've talked a lot on this podcast about pop stars that have come after Gaga and how monoculture has dissolved so much that it is so hard for pop stars to have such a huge impact. And in a way, she was kind of the last one. I mean, maybe you could say Katy Perry or, you know, I guess Ariana a little bit to some degree. This... the level of breakthrough both in terms of a, what we were talking about, what she was doing presentationally and then B having an album that had four massive singles followed and then was re-released and basically an initial project, which was the fame and then the re-release of the fame a year later, the fame monster, which then basically encompassed seven hit songs. It was like she was in her Imperial phase, which we've talked about before, which is like a phase in a pop stars career where they are so they're too big to fail. Essentially anything they do, do is a smash just by dint of their massive stardom. Like it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So one of the criticisms that got leveled at her a lot at that time was, okay, we have this pop star who's doing something very unique and exciting visually, but her music is conventional. That was kind of a big thing at the time.
1: Yeah. And I think that I, it's funny that you brought that up because I remember that argument so much. I remember like having that argument with people in 2009, right out of college and yep. ready to just like bust out some critical theory or something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> and I think that has aged poorly, yeah. that idea. And I, I think it was, you know, I I kind of hate to keep bringing up like the Poptimism thing because in no, some please. Ways I think it's. It simplifies a lot of things that are not as black and white as they seem. But she was, I think, the residue of that argument and how it doesn't really necessarily hold water now. Like, I was listening to the fame today and just those songs are great.
0: Oh my God. Great pop songs. And well, I think the argument was less you know less that they weren't good and more that she was tricking the audience into thinking what she was doing was avant-garde where mm-hmm. it was actually quite commercial which is more of a sticky argument I think because I will not argue with you that the fame songs and the fame monster songs are fucking bangers there's no yeah. I don't I don't think many people at this point would dispute that but I do think there is something interesting about the the argument that she presented herself as kind of a radical, and that's how she appeared. But her music was, I don't want to say straightforward, because it was always had an element of oddness. She was always talking about strange things, about like death and monsters. And, you know, it was. she wasn't just talking about like, the things we had become accustomed to in the Britney era about just sort of like, I'm a girl becoming a woman and discovering my sexuality and sort of like the things we had sort of become used to. But, you know, I, I, I'm curious what you think. Like, do you, do you, would you call the music on the fame and the fame monster conventional? I I think there
1: was, it's interesting. Like there definitely was a, a pull to kind of define it conventional at the time. And the more time has passed, I guess the more skeptical I've become of that argument in in that it feels you know in in a lot of ways they were just classic pop songs that like you still hear them out in the world when remember going out in the world like that will come back and you'll hear <laughs> paparazzi somewhere and just be like yeah this this is good um in any era I'm your Like you said, there was something kind of like offbeat and persona driven about them in a way that felt like, you know, they they in that moment could have only been made by Lady totally. Gaga. That was kind of the idea that everyone talked about, though, in 2009, that she was somehow like Trojan horsing right. these, these right. subversive ideas about like art and sexuality into a pop landscape that she had to make, you know, these shiny produced baubles uh, in order to to kind of get the mass audience that she could then brainwash with her crazy ideas or something. And I, that was like, that was how the argument went. And I just don't know that that is really what was going on. And I'm sure it's an argument that I made in 2009. Yeah, yeah same. I think, I think like, so too. And it's, it's interesting. It's like a snapshot of that moment when you know it was so kind of against the grain to take any kind of pop music seriously Right. that you had to do all these kind of, kinds of like right. critical contortions to just be it so I think blessedly like we're past that now oh, and can kind God. of take parts of Gaga that were pushing certain things forward while also just like appreciating her really classical talent as a pop songwriter and, and a and a pop singer, too. I, I think nobody at that time was really talking about what an amazing voice she has. And, and right. that almost has felt like something she's, like a card she's been keeping in her pocket to then, like, show later on um, when she went through some more normie eras, shall we say. Right. Right. Well, um, I, you
0: know, I, I think and I think the thing that possibly we can talk about in retrospect that might have been less clear to us about the time to- at the time about the music was, as I was sort of getting at earlier, prior to her, we were dealing with a very different style of pop music. You know, everything was this 90 beats per minute, hip hop and B, Jennifer Lopez and Ja Rule kind of vibe, you know, this sort of Euro dance techno house what we became known as EDM, but at the time probably didn't have that moniker, was not something that worked on American radio. You know, very much prior to her, she was very much the catalyst for that movement to explode. I mean, when you trace it back, it's like okay, you can see some antecedents. Like you can look at um, Blackout in 2007 as an album that was like a co- incorporating electro pop sound. Or you can look at Future Sex Love Sounds, or you can look at Don't Stop the Music. I remember when Don't Stop the Music, Rihanna's single, which came out in 2007, became big in America. It was somewhat of a surprise because at that time, music that had that four on the floor house beat feel was not really something that was popping at American radio. big prior to that was like Nelly Furtado doing songs with Timberland and Gwen Stefani doing Holler Back Girl and like songs that were much more rooted in hip-hop influenced pop music and what Gaga was doing could not have been more separate from anything related to hip-hop and was very, very much rooted in what became known, I guess, as EDM or EDM pop and she was the catalyst for that. So I don't know if you would call that innovative because it wasn't like she invented that kind of music. It's not like she's, you know, Frankie Knuckles or whatever, but she (laughs) is, but she certainly was doing something that was different than what had produced seated her musically. You know what I mean? And that was risky.
1: Yeah, I think it was just enough of a pivot to kind of catch people's attention, but still traditional enough that it was going to be successful in that context.
0: Right. Absolutely. So I do think another critique that she got was that she was kind of doing weirdness for weirdness sake. I think the thing about Madonna that people sort of like to elevate in retrospect, although she got so much criticism for all of this at the time, was that she had big ideas. So she's dancing through a field of burning crosses in the Like a Prayer video because she's making a, common, a, a very sort of like easy to digest commentary on Catholicism. And I do feel like another criticism that got leveled at Lady Gaga was that the weirdness almost sort of took on a life of its own that was detached from ideas. I mean, we talked about sexuality. We talked about that aspect of it. But I mean, she had a different look and f- like a- like sort of presentation almost every day. So at a certain point, it wasn't like that each look had an idea necessarily. The weirdness almost became its own self-fulfilling thing. Yeah.
1: And and the the little monsters, which one of, really one of the First modern stan armies too, if if we could even oh. put them within that context. Pause but.
0: up, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think to me, like on in a larger sense, like the arc of Gaga is sort of this movement from her coming out and seeming like this really Warholian kind of ironic pop star, art pop damaged person. Morphing into what I think she is now, which is an incredibly earnest right. she is pop so artist earnest. and celebrity. It's, And I think she always was that. And right. in the beginning, that just manifested in her making these kind of outlandish statements through her music and her visuals. But I think that over time, that earnestness has come out a lot more and and become at times in the later part of her career really like the dominant note of her persona and i i think at a point like maybe into the the beginning of the born this way era and that album which really was when she was on top of the world and just dominant in a lot of ways, that she starts making these statements, like I said, about mental health. I remember she had sort of brought on one of the tours with her, like, essentially like a counseling booth or like a The Born This Way
0: Foundation. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. And starts addressing the queer community within that space quite explicitly and making political statements, making speeches about same sex marriage and equality and everything like that, like really kind of taking up that mantle. As she's kind of coming into the second era and trying to marry that to the quote unquote like aesthetic weirdness, but then backing it up with not even ideas, but I think like feelings and Mm. and causes at the same time, too, which I think is like her version of the Madonna thing, but feels to me different and and more earnest than Madonna ever got in a way.
0: Yeah, less intellectual. You know, what's such a important point that I feel like you just highlighted so well is like the criticism in the sort of like, who is Lady Gaga versus Madonna was like Madonna came with these very sort of crystallized ideas that she followed through entire album eras. But it the sort of weirdness for weirdness sake sort of critique of Gaga actually doesn't even work as a critique because the weirdness was the point. It was like, not every look had to have a sort of fully formed idea behind it. It was the mere fact that she was willing to go out and look like a freak every single day. That was the point that was sort of welcoming her sort of fan base into her it was like the freakness was the point in and of itself what she seemed to understand from the beginning that is now de rigueur for a pop star is that she had to have this authentic connection to her fans and stand for something that they that they could see themselves in her and they could share this sort of like she could help lift them up or help them feel seen you know i didn't used to be brave in fact i wasn't very brave at all but you have made me brave Little Monsters
1: And New York Made me brave
0: So now I'm gonna be brave for you Tonight I want you to forget all of your insecurities I want you to reject anyone or anything that's ever made you feel like you don't belong Or don't fit in or made you feel like you're not good enough, or pretty enough, or thin enough, or can't sing well enough, or dance well enough, or write a song well enough, or like you'll never win a Grammy, or you'll never sell out Madison Square Garden, you just remember that you're a goddamn superstar,
1: and you were born this way.
0: Now we, that ha- that's every pop star, but at that before that, it wasn't like Britney was like, "Where are my Britney Britney army at?" Like you know, let me talk to you about like the things that make us similar and like how we should, how I can help sort of you see yourself in me. Like it wasn't direct in that way, and she really, really got that from the beginning. And then when you get to Born This Way, which is her second album, and I, and I want to just highlight here for the audience. I do think, sitting here in twenty twenty one, it is hard for us to understand an artist that was as big as she was at that time, because it, it's hard in in the world of streaming, in sort of like our, you know, in a pop music landscape where it is more niche. Just generally speaking, even big artists now you you can't eat culture completely the way that she had. It, you she was so massive. You could not turn an eye after the fame monster in any direction without seeing her, without hearing her. It was it was an onslaught. It was in a way that I think it's nearly impossible for a pop star to achieve that in this day and age. And born this way is her album that came out in 2011 and is my personal favorite, and I'll tell you why that is. Because she was so big, she was unbridled. And it is a fucking insane-sounding album. And the reason that it is is because she made a whole album that was directly geared at the little monster thing. It was like, I'm going to make an album that is for closeted queer 15 year olds like <laughs> in the style of bruce springsteen mixed with like big edm beats like that is a pretty psychotic notion for like a mainstream pop album and she because no one could tell her no at that point that was what we ended up with you know what i mean
1: whenever i'm dressed cool my parents put up a fight uh-huh, uh-huh. and if i'm hot shot mama cut my hair at night In the morning I'm short of my day
0: One thing I want to talk about in the context of Born This Way, it kind of links more back to the pop star narrative, which is so uh, Gaga got so, so big so fast in a way that was sort of at the speed of social media. You know, I've, I've often thought about the fact that like Madonna, not to just keep bringing up the Madonna comparison, but Madonna built to a critical mass and an artistic peak. So if you think about Madonna's initial period in the 80s, she was of course very famous to begin with, but she reached the peak of that initial run with Like a Prayer and Vogue eight, nine years into her career. Gaga reached the peak of her fame and power two to three years into her career, Mm -hmm. which I think was a bit of a curse. And I think Born This Way bears this out. I don't think, I I feel on, on some level... She, made the, she was able to make the album that she wanted to make. And I'd be interested to hear what you think about this. And But at the same time, there was almost no way that like the foundation of her fandom wasn't strong enough in its size at that point to bear the weight of something so idiosyncratic. So there was no way for her to not completely fracture her fan base really fast with that record. And that record was very divisive. Casual fans began to flee at that
1: point. Yeah, and then I think in which sets up like the art pop thing, which we will get to. Um, uh huh. We're as, as almost there. We're Can't moving wait. close. I'm just clamoring for it. Jumping um, at the bit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's interesting the the idea of like the speed of her rise and how it was you know, she, to kind of go back to what we were saying about the little monsters being this like early internet fan army, early internet, but like early social media fan army. Yeah. She was one of the first big pop stars to really be interacting with her fans via social media in a way that felt authentic. And I don't necessarily think, I think she's has like other things that she's doing now and it does not feel like one of those stars anymore that is like super online and in this really intimate way like yeah. for Yeah, she's not actually interesting. Yeah. Right? yeah but yeah. I think very early on she was able to tap into that when Twitter and Instagram and things like that were really kind of ramping up as As a way that people were talking to each other and expressing themselves and expressing like their fandom for pop stars, which, again, is so many things that we just super take for granted now that she was on this vanguard of and and I think that if if anything, like makes her rise feel I don't know, like a little underrated in some ways because it Mm. both feels like it happened very recently but put into place a lot of the the language and the ideas and concepts that are just like we take for granted now in in pop.
0: Yeah. And so,
1: yeah, I think this is that's the era where it's becoming I think that's an interesting idea that you're like she made the album that she wanted to make but at the same time it kind of is fan service too exactly in in a, a bit of a niche way um but is at the same time really epic
0: and and has set the trajectory of the rest of her career in that sense because I I you don't often get albums from artists that were as big as she was at that moment that are actually as strange as Born This Way was and I think in some ways Born This way delivered on the promise of the weird music more so than the fame and the fame monster did
1: and then I think with Born This Way both the song and the kind of like album cycle of that there was a feeling in especially from people who may have been a little skeptical skeptical of her to begin with of fatigue like when mm. she has the prosthetic stuff on her face and is coming out of an egg joe, calderon. The or the joe or whatever. calderon well <laughs> shout out to a legend hey my name is joe
0: Lady Gaga,
1: she left me,
0: she said it always starts out good, and then the guys, meaning me, I'm one of the guys, we get crazy, I did,
1: I got crazy, but she's crazy too, right? I think there, there got to be this sort of cultural fatigue with what was perceived as like her, like you said, the weirdness for weirdness sake. Mm. Um, if people were not wanting to sort of look past that. And, and I think in her, you know, there are parts of like the born this way era that I
0: think don't
1: quite follow through on linking the ideas and the aesthetics
0: and mm. um, the, yeah. the Like, can you say more about that?
1: Uh, I, I think To me, like, that's where some, like, again, the video for Born This Way, the the alien egg concept, like, it just, like, all got to be a bit much. And I think what people were who weren't appreciating what she was doing in the fame era, kind of the parody idea of her sort of seeped in because I think she was really doubling down on just being in your face and...
0: And in a way, it, it began to obscure the sort of great music that she was putting out. And it was exhausting. I mean, it was like the way that you were mentioning earlier, her seeing herself, like her... Uh, part of her appeal being her earnest tryhardness like could maybe also revert and become exhausting for us as listeners and viewers you know what i mean yeah
1: especially when you're talking about like you pointed out this really quick rise to just dominance um in right. the pop world like people do get sick of you really fast too and if you're there's such a fine line between you know the saturation point of what is yes we want Gaga everywhere to just suddenly like she's too much everywhere and like we need a break from Gaga and I, mm-hmm. I think some people that there was a sense of fatigue I think with people who were not within her fan community that started to set in like in the larger culture around this time which which I do, I do think kind of sets you up for what comes next and how right. it is perceived. Right. And, the culture
0: too. And, and I just want to make one more point about Born This Way, which was that by that point, every pop star had taken what she was doing and had incorporated it into what, what they were doing. If you think about Nicki Minaj, if you think about Kesha, if you think about even Katy Perry in the Teenage Dream era, you don't have Katy Perry shooting whipped cream out of her nipples without Gaga happening first. You don't have Nicki Minaj in her wigs and all of the things she was doing if you don't have that first. You don't have Kesha's whole... Like, Gaga made it de rigueur for pop stars at that time to have to have this sort of, like weird kooky aesthetic to go with what they were doing and the sort of like overblown music videos and the sort of like yeah. big aesthetic so she <clears> was <throat> and it, 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 it was pop was maximalist and exhausting at that time in a way that's almost hard to imagine now when it's so dour and quiet and sparse at that moment it was like Every minute, every single one of them, it was like it was exhausting <laughs> on a certain yeah, level. Yeah,
1: and I think I I wrote something last year about the ten year anniversary of the telephone video, which like might be I mean it's hard to top bad mo- bad romance, but yeah. it might be my favorite Gaga video as as sort of like she ushered in the moment that Beyonce got weird too, which and then did weird in a whole different way than Gaga did it, and and cut her own. So pass in in the pop world. But I think like to some extent Gaga paves the way for Beyonce's own trajectory into like a higher idea of art out of the pop world as well.
0: That is such a good point. And I do think you pointed that out in that piece, which is that it is fucking crazy to think about a time period where Beyonce needed Gaga more than vice versa. And that to me just underscores the how big Gaga was. I mean, you just, you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't, it's important to underline. I mean- To me, that's the mic drop of the early Gaga era. You can't, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's hard for us to even picture that now. So this is what I, when we, now that we're getting into art pop, I know this is the moment everybody's been waiting for, justice for art pop. But I have this one lens that I thought about when Chromatica came out last year. I don't know if it's right, and I would like to hear your thoughts on it, that Born This Way's fracturing of her audience created the circumstances where in some ways you can view every post born this way gaga album as a pendulum swinging back and forth corrective to that record so after born this way i think there was a call from the the anyone who was outside that main core fan base to be like this was too gay this was too this was not the sort of like fun frivolous pop that we have come to expect from paparazzi and from poker phase and we want you to make more of a it's hard to think of art pop as conventional because it's obviously a berserk album but it what it did sort of dispense with the sort of like open-hearted i'm speaking directly to my queer fans and fuck anybody else kind of vibe that born this way had um and in a sense to me, I remember at the time feeling like, oh, she's trying to write the ship here a little
1: Yeah, bit. I think it's a record that has a lot more of that sort of irony that I was talking about of when she first came out and, and the just heavy artifice, like artifice on top of artifice on top of artifice, like yes. on top of art pop. I Like to read. One second, I'm a coon spin. Suddenly, the coon's is me. Pop culture was in art
0: now, arts and pop culture in me. I live for the applause, applause, applause. I live for the applause, applause, live the applause.
1: I mean, art pop, she in a lot of ways just going to the hilt and throwing everything at the wall and everything is sticking and no one's (laughs) telling her no and you know for someone who appreciates Gaga there's something really glorious about it even in its failures like it is just pure trying everything and turning it up to 11 and just again no one no one's saying no in in, and in some cases, like someone should have said no mm-hmm. to some of the songs. I know you're but... talking
0: about jewels and drugs without having jewels to. jewels and drugs. Gaga, 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 Gaga. Don't want your jewels, want your drugs. Don't want your money, want your love. Don't want your jewels, want your drugs. Want your jewels, want your drugs. Don't want your money, want your love.
1: I admit that my habit's expensive. To me, Jewels and Drugs, which is which has not one but three rappers on it, just totally randomly. I think it is Juicy J, Twista, and Too Short. Is that?
0: Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Like no, Ti 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 is T-I yes. was one of them.
1: But that feels like again this this idea of like well this is the new, like, the kind of, like, trap beats are coming, hip-hop's coming back into the pop world and feels a little bit panicked of, like, I uh, have to exactly. find a way to do this. Like, it reminds me of Dark Horse, the Katy Perry song, which I think is, like, exactly. a much more successful mm-hmm. fusion of the the pop star and the the coming trap-pop era. But then I just think there's a lot of kind of like aesthetic confusion and really leaning into that idea that what she is doing is capital A art and right. Jeff Koons, like, let's get, let's work Jeff
0: Koons into a lyric. Right. I mean, I think, I think that album in some way sunk under the weight of that because it was like, So Art Pop was commercially significantly less successful than her last two records had been. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I sort of think that was inevitable because I think Born This Way is Born This Way did numbers, but that was just riding in some way off the fumes of the first era. I don't necessarily think Born This Way is, you know, Born This Way had four top 10 singles. It sold a million copies in its first week, somewhat controversially, because she sold the album for 99 cents in various places. That resulted in a change in the Billboard rules. But nonetheless when an when an artist is coming off an era as huge as The Fame and the Fame Monster was, you're going to be able to run off of the fumes of that through your next record pretty much, like, guaranteed. I think art... So sometimes I get confused about art pop because I'm wondering if, like... Like it, it was perceived as a flop. I mean, it's one of the reasons we say the word flop so much right now is because of Art Pop. Like it was the, it was in a way like the definitive flop. But I'm interested in what you were saying because I feel like in some ways, whereas like her playing with her sort of like art pop ideas in the fame was exciting and original at that time in some ways art pop sunk under the weight that she sort of gave to it as this piece of art whereas like if she had just presented it more like here is a pop album that's like somewhat uncomplicated and fun and like overblown maybe it would have been welcomed differently
1: yeah i think she was she was telling rather than showing this time around the the art of and and really kind of underscoring something that was more fun to as like a viewer and listener to dig through and make your own meaning out of in the fame era. Like this is her really just all caps. like this is art. Yeah, and that can be a little overwhelming. And I think in a lot of ways, too, that record is her trying to top an already very over-the-top album in Born This Way right? and just maybe turning it up a little too high. But I do think something that is so sort of crucial about Gaga is that any one of these eras, there are songs on that record that totally belie the narrative or the, the larger thing you could say about this record. There are some lovely songs on the end of Art Pop. I love Dope. I love Gypsy. I know oh, you gypsy. also gypsy. huge fan. The top five
0: just, Gaga songs for me.
1: Yes, and and Ernest Gaga right. too. Right, like,
0: Ernest Gaga. That's this is so important. And I think it's something that is lost on much of our pop. We don't get enough earnest Gaga. We got you know it's because Born This Way is overblown, but it's also ex- extraordinarily earnest. I mean, you cannot get more mm-hmm. earnest than she. In fact, I think it's earnestness is what turned off a lot of people about it. It was almost like they wished for her to be cooler in a certain way. And, and Born This Way is definitively uncool in a lot of ways. Art pop is, you know, not cool per se, but it's missing a lot of what Gypsy brings to you, which is like when Gaga opens her heart to you, it is extraordinarily powerful. Sometimes the story has no end. Sometimes I think that we could just be friends. Cause I'm a wandering man, he said to me. And what about our future plans Does the thing we have even make sense When I got the whole world in front of me So I said I don't want to be- back to the idea of correctives her next record joanne was another sort of corrective in a certain sense where she was like okay they don't want me anymore being the sort of like ultra drag clown that i was at the beginning and they don't and and also edm dance pop has completely receded from the center of pop at this point and so she responds to that by i think giving people what she thinks Thought they wanted on Joanne, which was like for so long, another annoying criticism that got leveled at Lady Gaga was like, Why don't you just, you're so talented. Why don't you just sit down at the piano and sing some songs for us? And then she interpreted that as, Okay, I'm gonna make like this country folk rock album. I don't know what to call Joanne. And again, I don't know how you feel about Joanne. I struggle with that record because. I feel like it gives the presentation of her giving people what she thought that they wanted, but it's missing some of the things that you wish for from a Gaga album.
1: Yeah. I love about half of Joanne, but as a whole, like I love like certain standalone songs on it, but I, I think it's very muddled as like an artistic statement, but I do think like an important precursor, to the Joanne era is actually her like Tony Bennett cheek to cheek. Right. Era, which how
0: could I forget?
1: I had the pleasure of seeing their show at, um, at Radio City Music Hall. One of, they did like four or five nights. It was magical.
0: First of all, I'm so jealous. Tony Bennett sounded,
1: he sang one song without a mic just to show like how well he could project. And I had like chills. It was, he legend, legend, plus legend and it was mostly honestly like mostly a Tony Bennett audience like just it was it was not her crowd (laughs) yeah like and just straight people and like older New Yorkers and stuff and uh, that was kind of the era I think this thing that she's always sort of had up her sleeve is being able to win over that crowd and and older crowd a more mainstream crowd a crowd that is more impressed by like these sort of traditional metrics of quote-unquote musical talent and that was this is around the era that she does that amazing sound of music medley at the oscars that like the entire world was just like lady gaga can really sing All a part of this kind of transitional moment into what I see as really kind of the, the second act of her career, which I think we're frankly like kind of just living through now and does not feel over by any means, but like just repositioning her both as this really kind of old school musician, almost like old soul but also something more than just a musician. Um,
0: This is so important because what it did was sort of break the traditional pop star narrative. She had so much been seen. And again, this is where the Madonna, annoying Madonna comparison comes in as like, you're gonna be Madonna. Madonna's career is very much for all of its eccentricities and all of its, you know, whatever. It, it is the gold standard for what it means to be a pop star if you're going to be a pop star. You move from album to album, get successively bigger, reinvent, try to push mm-hmm. that net going as far as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can. Cheek to cheek, Gaga making this album with Tony Bennett that was so outside of what like was almost like a side project and then sort of leading into Joanne, which was a huge musical pivot and then into A Star is Born where she actually like, delivered an Oscar nominated acting performance like, has kind of helped establish that Gaga is less of a pop star and more of, like, the person that—the people that come to me— in my mind are Barbara Streisand and Cher in terms of mm-hmm. like pop stardom is one element of what she's doing, but she actually, you could see a world where Gaga hosts a talk show. You could see a world where Gaga does all kind, you know, runs for political office. I mean, you could see things, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Like, she's in some ways, I think she's actually less Madonna and more in the vein of these sort of more multimedia personalities, or something like yeah, that. yeah,
1: my my reveal is that Cher was going to be the person that oh, I think, I'm sorry, I think I took she's your super no, 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 you're just affirming that I was, and I think Barbara too, like of course, but I think she's that's kind of been the arc too of like on this Madonna trajectory or, or what people are perceiving as a Madonna trajectory perhaps incorrectly to now being more in the like share realm of begrudgingly winning over respect of people who may have doubted her or dismissed her or thought her talents were limited in the past which like she loves to you know that striver theater kid again she loves to be the underdog she loves to like go into these cultural spaces where she is being underestimated and then fight her way up and I think she's found like a whole new realm to do that in with acting with just making trying to Make songs that feel more like standards in a way, and I do think she's been having like pretty remarkable success with that. Like, well, you
0: shallow, know, what, you know, come on, sha- I mean, shallow. I mean, like, it was probably going to go down as her biggest song. And you know what I think is really interesting about what she's done and what you've pointed out here, and it's so key in the context of the pop pantheon, is that at a certain point, and it usually comes about eight or ten years into your career, you have to do something that breaks you free from the traditional metrics by which pop stardom is measured or you're fucked and that's sort of the thing that i think and this has become now a running joke on this podcast because i bring <laughs> katie perry up in this way s- too many times but i do think katie perry is a foil for gaga in this way because she hasn't found a way to move into some into a realm that is bigger than moving hit to hit as a pop star and ev- they all have to find a way to do it Beyonce being such a great example of somebody that with that self-titled album she moved her career from something that was about being like a day-to-day pop star to something that was a bigger project that didn't rely on any of that stuff. It was a cultural movement. It was and its impact was not about having radio singles. Her impact was greater than those things and that's why we still are talking about Beyonce as a relevant artist 21 years into her career. If she hadn't been able to do that we would not be doing that. And to me, I view cheek to cheek, less so Joanne, A Star is Born really as that moment for Gaga, where she was able to reinvent the way that people saw her and what they wanted from her to be something greater than needing to have hit songs. And that's why I think her career post A Star is Born is intriguing and exciting to us in a way that it would not be otherwise. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and it, but I think like one lovely little wrinkle to all that too is like, and why Star is Born I think was such a perfect vehicle for her is like, you get the alley songs in a Star is Born. You right. get her sort of playing... Early she found a Gaga way, cosplay, <laughs> and getting to kind of release these songs that have now become really beloved in this cult sense that we're supposed to be like the quote unquote bad pop songs in the movie, but are like just good early Lady Gaga songs, and and again, kind of like Gaga's so good with blurring the lines between sincerity and irony, and and just like joking, not joking, right. and. The, the puzzling nature of the songs of like, they're supposed to be bad in the movie, but they're actually good. Like, what is going on here? Shout out to Hair, Body, Face. <laughs> hair, Body, the Face
0: fade. forever. Hair, Body, Face, oh yeah, triple thread, To a door. hair, Body, Face, oh yeah, triple thread. One of the controversies of A Star is Born, I think, was that she seemed to be sort of demeaning her pop persona through that role the uh, trajectory of her character in, in a star is born is that she had to find a way to get back to her authentic roots and stop making sort of like digitized vapid pop music and that was celebrated by the film's narrative. And I think it brings to the fore an interesting thing that's I think still haunts Gaga to this day, which is who is the real Gaga? And it's such an annoying conversation because like, of course, all of it is the real Gaga. And it's such a frustrating notion that we have to pinpoint. But I wonder now that we're sitting in 2021, where, you know, we, we've witnessed 13 years of Lady Gaga. What do you think, Lindsay, like just as someone who's such a smart thinker about pop and who loves Lady Gaga, what is essential? Like, what are the things I I mean, we've talked about earnestness, but what are the what are the core tenets of like what the Lady Gaga pop star project mm, are?
1: That's a big question. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think it is that undercurrent again of just like the earnest belief in music and art and these like sort of almost outdated old fashioned like pop cultural values that are underneath the surface of every era no matter how outlandish or you know faux authentic they are like I I see that as kind of the one through line of her career that still kind of extends to what she's doing now and just like song craft in a way mm. too. I think she's a very good songwriter and perhaps even underrated for that. Like she has worked with a lot of collaborators, but there's something about her voice that that I do think melodically and lyrically in a lot of ways is distinct and and just hard to replicate so I I think that's like the foundation of it and why she has been able to sustain such a long career that that I think is durable in the long run like the foundation is good of her music of her talent of her having this sort of larger vision for herself the artifice goes on top of that skeleton that already exists and is quite strong and if you just had the artifice which I think a lot of her contemporaries that weren't as successful and weren't able to make that pivot it was just kind of all about the spectacle but there's always been a strong foundation to her as well. I completely
0: agree and I think the earnestness that you were bringing up earlier is such a key part of it because that's what grounds it all as you were sort of saying and I think that the artifice is also a key part of it because the thing about Joanne that I think was always the joke about it was like it was just as much of a drag performance as the rest of it was but in a way that's not a deterrent that's part of the fun. Gaga is such, it's a blast because you're like, what is this crazy bitch going to give us next? Like, that is fucking fun. And to pair that with her earnestness is, I believe, what, as as you so eloquently just put, is the key to the whole project, which is that she's both... This overblown, ultra, and exciting, weird, kooky, annoying—all of the things that we sort of say—and she really does give you so much heart and traditional musical talent, and 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 that is such a wonderful combination that you don't often get in pop. You really don't. That's not something that you that you that you get from a lot of pop stars. And I think that's what makes her so exciting and fun yeah. and why we continue to Agreed. be interested in her.
1: It was interesting to watch her this past year because I think she more so than a lot of celebrities she was able to simultaneously do her job as kind of a pop star while also Being you know putting on this charity concert at the beginning of the pandemic seeming uh, raising a lot of money like doing things again it's that earnestness that has always been there playing both the role of the pop star but also acknowledging that maybe that's not enough right now and that's not Mm. what people are looking for like I think if you compare sort of her pandemic era like charity forward facing work to say, like, the Imagine video or something like that, being the the nadir of, of that. Like, she came off so much better than I think a lot of celebrities did because there always was that earnestness that she could tap into while quite simultaneously, you know, releasing this really outrageous dance pop record that was in a lot of ways a throwback to the beginning of her career but overlaid with I think a, an emotionality that felt contemporary to what she's
0: going through. Absolutely and and just to sort of put a button on Chromatica because we didn't spend a ton of time on it you know it was a middling success it did have sort of the big hit Rain On Me which I guess was powered by you know even though Gaga's not the center of pop she was able to recruit the center of pop Ariana Grande to feature on a number one song which is An achievement at this stage in her career. It's not like her contemporaries are having that. But I guess the most important point that sort of puts a button on what we've been talking about here is that Chromatica represents this new era of Gaga in that it's just a piece in the puzzle of what keeps her as a relevant pop star. It's fan service, and it doesn't need to be the biggest album on earth to make maintain Gaga as one of the biggest, most important pop stars of the time. All right, so now is the moment of truth, which is our Pantheon discussion about Lady Gaga. I feel she's a solid 2 tier two artist, but I sometimes wonder, is she a cuspy one? And here's here's my thinking on it. Tier two is a tier for artists of which she clearly hits a lot of criteria. She has over a decade of hit records, which as we look at a lot of these stars, Not easy to do, even for the ones that have a lot of hits. And I'm sorry again to Katy Perry, but she is my example that I return to a lot as someone who had a fuckload of hits, but has not been able to move beyond a decade of hits. So that's one. Two, I believe that Lady Gaga will be able to launch arena or stadium tours for the rest of her life without ever needing to release another album. If Lady Gaga never did anything else, and in 10 years she decided to do a comeback tour, she could tour massive venues and draw an audience in that way. She had a massive influence on the sound and feel of pop music that we could see in many other artists that came after her, and on and on and on and on, but... I also feel like she has a certain level of iconicness to her that makes me wonder, like, is she a one, which is the most rarefied group of pop stars. And you have to really be like a pillar of the genre to do that. So what do you think?
1: <laughs> I I think you summed it up really well. I think she's like a two rising. Yes, yeah. Because I don't think she's done. I don't. Right. And. Here, my sort of like my real hot take and why I think the share comparison is more apt for where she's at in her career. I think Gaga is going to win an Oscar for acting in the next fifteen years. That is my prediction. Mm -hmm. I do think she probably deserved it for Star is Born. Like I think she was agreed amazing in that film. But Truly, I think she has acting chops that we've not yet seen, and like, obviously, very excited about the Versace movie, Gucci <laughs> like House every, of Gucci. House oh, of I'm Gucci. sorry, House of Gucci. Please <laughs> edit that out. Now. I will
0: No, of course, House of Gucci is what she said.
1: I was, I was thinking of the Donatella Versace song on Art Pop. Mm-hmm.
0: Donatella, Donatella, I'm smoking featuring featuring real poetry that i listened to earlier which is just ask your gay friends their advice <laughs> before getting a spray tan in taipei i was like okay like shakespeare was shaking on that no line. one was telling her no in that bob era, bob, bob dylan could never
1: but like <laughs> the pictures coming off the set of that movie are like a sensation every oh. time someone snaps a picture of her with oh. adam driver like and she's working with top tier actors and filmmakers. Like she, I think is making this pivot into acting like over the long haul that I think she just needs like her moonstruck and then Mm. it's going to click into place. And I think that is the moment when she becomes tier one. Right. Gaga wins an Oscar for something other than music, which she already, already is the Oscar winning Lady Gaga for shallow. But (laughs) I think we have not yet seen the full extent of her sort of pop cultural. Whatever. I completely agree. <laughs> and I think
0: Cher's such an apt comparison because one of the things about some of these Tier One artists is that they'd actually don't necessarily meet all of the criteria necessarily. There's something about their iconicness that is bigger than metrics. Like Cher's not someone that has like infinitum number one singles. In fact, I think Mm -hmm. she has one or two, but Cher is definitively tier one because of her sort of ability as we were sort of getting at earlier to sort of like make her pop stardom about something grander than moving hit to hit. And I, I agree with you. Two with a one rising is exactly what I would call Gaga. And it'll be very interesting to see what she does next. And the fact that we are this engaged and we are this interested in her at this phase in her career speaks to the fact that she could make it into that tier because there's many wonderful pop stars, wonderful singers, wonderful artists who have given us a lot of music who have not been able to sustain interest in the way that she has. And that speaks to a very unique power that really does occupy a rarefied space that some only the greatest of the great ever achieve, and the fact that we even can see that for her speaks to something that's so incredibly special about her, and speaks to how fucking big she was. Because bitch, she was a movement. Gaga yes. was a movement in pop. Don't music. forget it. I I never will. My last question for you is: Can you turn the fans on to a song that's underrated? What is like? What's your favorite? Underrated. Maybe it's an art pop song. We did talk about Gypsy, so it could be Gypsy, but maybe there's something else. What's the What's the bet? What's your What's your go to underrated Gaga song?
1: I mean, there's so many, but like Gypsy is definitely one. I don't want to. I think I'll I'll pick one from each album that we that I (laughs) okay Gypsy. So like okay, I love from Born This Way. I'm gonna say Heavy Metal Lover is Mm. like very. Underrated, something that Gaga doesn't do that is just this weird electro kind of sleazy sound. Like it's it's a song that she never really made something that sounds like that again, but I, it's like a vibe she can do very well. So I would... Mary I would, Jane
0: Holland, she did it again on that song.
1: But like to, that, to the hilt again. Uh, Mary Jane Holland is <laughs> canon to me. Canon, we, we absolutely. Introducing <laughs> It is, it is the anthem of weed legalization in <laughs> NYC, baby.
0: Literally invented weed legalization. Like Mary literally Gene weed. Holland, the
1: song of the summer 2021. <laughs> um, and then a song from Joanne that I love that I want to shout out is Come to Mama. The Father John Misty penned <laughs> song that is her doing this kind of like 70s throwback AM pop just another random genre that she can do so well like who even knew but i that's a song that like always puts a smile on my face i can't
0: help i feel like she sang that song in some way to buttress hillary clinton's 2016 campaign and so i'm scarred but i agree it's a tragic good one. yeah but
1: it's it's a good <gasps> tune
0: yeah and uh, okay so let, I, let's go out on Come to Mama that sounds fun Lindsay thank you so so much for doing this this was such a blast yeah, <laughs> it's so had much had fun talking time. to you this is
1: great
0: I hope you'll come back and do it again oh totally so here we go this is Come to Mama Lady Gaga we love you Pause up everybody okay y'all so that was it baby lady gaga tier two rising i think that's where we're gonna put her for now a story that is still unfolding a star that is still being born <laughs> so the judgment's rendered thank you so so much to Lindsay's zolads an incredible guest i can't wait to have her on again soon if you enjoyed the podcast, hit subscribe, hit like, hit five stars, leave me a review. Follow us on Instagram at Pop Pantheon Pod. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at DJ Louie X I V L O U I E X I V. Stay tuned for more info on the forthcoming Pop Pantheon live event, and I will see you guys in two weeks. Pause up.